It's time! Drew Doherty and John Harris have their white coats and their goggles on, and they're ready to talk Texans in a different sort of way. Uh, Let's go in the lab. In the lab is not redrafting any old Texans drafts this week. But we might do it again soon. And I, you know what? We're going to do it again soon. My name's Drew. Yeah. I knew that would get you. Your name's John. Hi, Drew. I knew that would get you. I know you were like, well, you know, we did those two. We're not going to do them all. I'm like, but you start thinking about it. Like, oh, yeah. There are, gonna, there are a few more that we could definitely do and dive into that would be very fun. And for those of you listening who are like, what the heck are these two <laughs> talking about? Well, in each of the last two In the Labs, which is a weekly podcast that we do on Tuesdays, uh, we have gone back in time. Two weeks ago, we went back in time to 2003. Last week, we went back in time to 2010, and we redrafted those Texans drafts. So, in 03, we took Andre Johnson. He was the original choice. We, we stuck with that original choice, but after that, we switched things up, and we just made the Texans so much better. We had Jason Witten in there. We wow. had Tony Romo in there. We had Osio Minora. We had Justin Tuck by virtue of a trade through Drew Henson. It was a lot of fun, John. It has such a butterfly effect, too. I mean, just... Yep. You know, the dominoes that fall. If you, you know, if you if you go down path A of your choose your own adventure novel as opposed to path B, and how that changes everything, mm-hmm. and some of the picks maybe you don't make because you made those picks in 2003, and how that leads to maybe what you do in 2010 or what you don't do in 2010. It it's just fascinating to think about. And, and I, the one other thing I think to take out of it is. Yes, we did that for the Texans. We could have done that for every team in the league, mm-hmm. but every league, every team in the league has the same situation. Yep, every team has the same situation, and that is everybody misses. And you and I, yeah, everybody to misses. be clear, you're, and you're saying this, and I'm backing this up. We were not casting stones at oh, Charlie no. Casserly and no, 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 Rick no. Smith, no, because they did all. have some hits in those drafts. You know, what, no question. In fact, we kept a few of them. Every GM has hits and misses in every single draft. Every single draft. Every single year. Here's what I say to people all the time because I, I hear this from people. Well, you know, the Patriots do this and the Patriots do it right. And the Patri- they've, they've missed a lot. I want you to go back and look at the 2000 draft of the New England Patriots. And I bring that one up because that was the one in which they drafted Tom Brady in the sixth round. Uh-huh. But look at the sixth round, or I'm sorry, look at the, that draft for 2000 of the New England Patriots. I'm not talking about, you know, looking at it with 19 years hindsight. Right. At the time. By the next year, in 2001, there was nothing from that draft. Well, let's look at it, John, since you bring it up. They didn't have a first-round pick, but in the second round, they took something called Adrian Clem, a tackle from Hawaii. Yep, he, they took J.R. Redman, a running back from Arizona State, in the third round. Now, I'll give you the fact that Redman, for a year or two, a decent, in fact, he was a decent... He was a decent piece on the offense and was a key piece of the offense on the final drive against the Rams. Yep. That was pretty much it in 2001. After that, gone. You know what? Brady clearly is the uh, the class of that class. You know who the, the next best draft pick for, the, for them was, I would say? Patrick Pass, their last pick, their seventh rounder, their fullback out yeah. of Georgia. Because otherwise, you had a guy named Casey Tisdale, a defensive end. You had David yep. Nugent, another defensive end. Never you had Antoine of. Harris, a, str- a safety. Yep. Jeff Marriott, a guard. Right. Dave Stashelsky, Stakowski, I don't know. He's a tight end from Boise State. Right. Greg Randall, a tackle from Michigan State. 
and Jared Redmond and Adrian Klum. I mean, that was a bad draft other than horrible. Other than Brady. But horrible. you get Brady, it's one of the best drafts ever. Absolutely. Because of that one guy. I mean, because of that one guy they nailed in it. the sixth round. Everybody else, hot garbage. They and there have been it. drafts like that. So my point in all that is nobody hits the draft 100%. You basically, the draft is a lot like Jose Altuve's batting average. You're probably going to hit somewhere between 33 34%. Right. You're going to hit 330 or 340 at best. At yeah. best. I mean, I used to say three-pointers. But I think fans need or think it's going to be free throw shooting. You're never shooting 75 to 80%. No. You're not even going to shoot uh, three-pointers. It's more like a batting average you know from 330 a, to 340. You know, sorry to interrupt there. You know who had a good draft that year, the 2000 draft? The Packers. Had oh. Bubba Franks in the tight in the tight end in the first round. Uh-huh. They took Chad Clifton in the second round yep. tackle. They had uh, Nile Diggs in the fourth. Yep. Solid Very linebacker. Very good linebacker from Ohio Anthony, State. Anthony Lucas, our buddy Clint Sterner knows a thing. Yeah, wide receiver from Arkansas. I don't know that he was great in the pros. Uh, Kabir... Gabaja Bajamila. Yeah. We know him from uh, American Gladiator, but once upon a time, he was a Pro Bowl defensive end. That's a pretty good Mark Tauscher. I mean, that's a damn good draft. That was a really good draft. Yeah. I mean, again, hitting on hitting on linemen. They got like four or five right there. Mm-hmm. Hitting on linemen. I mean, Tauscher and Clifton <laughs> were key pieces of that offensive line for a few years, and KGB was a tremendous edge rusher that they would put op- that they put up opposite Aaron Campman. And they were a really good pass rushing duo. I mean, nobody knew them, but KGB and Campman were very, very good. So, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You start diving down that rabbit hole of drafts, and you realize, man, this draft was pretty good. I'll give you one that's that's really interesting to go back and look at. Which one? Especially at the top is 2010 Seattle. Earl Thomas and Russell Okung. That's really good. In the first round. That was that was the first round for Seattle, if I remember right. It's funny you say that because 2010 was the first Senior Bowl that I attended, and that was the first Senior Bowl with the Seahawks of Pete Carroll. Yeah, and so I'm on the field watching, you know, checking out all the action and practice one day, and I look over and with sunglasses on, chomping away at gum, just kind of staring up at the sky, looking around. It was Pete Carroll not really paying attention to what was going on? It was kind of interesting. And then they go out, like you say, and they slay the draft. And Here's they get what this they did. One. I'm thinking, like, well, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. And sure enough, he does because they went out, like you said, and just did a great job. Because in that draft, you, you mentioned all those names. They got Okung. They got Earl Thomas. Mm-hmm. They got Golden Tate. They got Bam Bam Cam Chancellor. Mm-hmm. In the fifth round, they got Cam yeah. Chancellor. I mean, And they got a, a guy, Walter Thurman was a really good player. Coming out of Oregon, but he had hurt his knee at some point late in his career. And that really slowed him down. But he had a couple of decent years with the Seahawks. But you get those three players, I mean, three pro bowlers out of that draft. Mm. And three, two, I guess you would say two faces of the franchise, Earl Thomas and Chancellor. Oakland was a very good, very good, very solid player. But those those guys, man, they got it right. And then 2011 did the same thing. They got K.J. Wright in the fourth round. They got Richard Sherman in the fifth mm. I mean, that's, that's just ridiculous. And they got a Super Bowl MVP in the seventh in Malcolm Smith. Bananas. Bananas. But uh, today what I wanted to talk about with you, because we went back and did those drafts, today I want to talk about the Texans' tight end position. It didn't do a whole heck of a lot last year as far as numbers, but there was a lot of promise there. You had yep. four touchdowns from Jordan Thomas. You had some big catches from Jordan Akins. And Ryan Griffin, he's moved on. 
team cut him yesterday. He was there. He he had some some moments, but those two guys, Aikens and Thomas, were your main pass catchers at tight end. But you've really added to the stable because they're coming back with another year of experience, and you yep. think a year of improvement. But now you also have Darren Fells, who's a veteran. He's been around. He called himself in an interview I did with him last week. He said, I'm a, a left, left tackle. Yeah. He's like an extra lineman. He right. says. And he's kind of underselling himself because he's caught 10 touchdowns the last four years. That's, that's a pretty good number. That's better than what the, the current crop has and yeah. what the last crop had uh, as far as numbers. You also have a veteran in Jarrell Adams who's bounced around. He was with the Giants, and he played a little bit there. He played all sorts of – or at least practiced at all sorts of tight end positions last spring, and then you signed him to a futures deal late in the season, right at the end of the season. And then you've drafted Kahali Waring, who we saw really <laughs> – fascinating things from mm-hmm. here and Houston, not to mention the great stuff we'd seen from yep. him on tape because it's there's an interesting podcast out there that I listened to about a week or so ago with a guy who covered him in in college uh, in San Diego and he talked about how that offense didn't really have a good quarterback. Yeah, and Livingston really Chapman struggled. was okay. Yeah, it was a running offense. Yeah, they, oh, totally. And so this totally. guy wearing was their, he was their main target. You know when they went to the pass, and he was he was really good, and and he didn't. This this guy was like, I don't remember seeing him drop many passes, or at least passes that mattered. Yeah. So there's a lot of promise there, but the main overriding, overarching characteristic of this room is the athleticism. I mean, you got two guys who played professional sports mm-hmm. in other other leagues, other yeah. other sports. You had a professional basketball player in Fells. I mean, he, his college did not even have a football team. Right. He didn't play college football. Right. Then you have a professional baseball player in Jordan Akins. He spent four years in the minors in the Rangers system. Yep. Plus, you got Big Baby Thomas, mm-hmm. who is just a – he was a wide receiver. He's a freak. Although, he's quick to point out, hey, I played tight end in junior college. I know. He, so, he, he doesn't want this like this he, idea out there that he can't block or he can't – He Yeah, his feathers got a little ruffled when we talked to him. And I mentioned that final season at Mississippi State playing receiver. And he kind of looked down. He didn't really want to get confrontational. He's kind of like, well, you know, I, I, played, I played tight end in, in, in junior college. So, it's not as if I didn't know what I was doing. You're right. That's, that's kind of the stance. I, I'm excited I, about this tight end group. I really, I, I'm. I think it, we're going to see more productivity and more diversity on offense because yeah. of them. Over the years, the Texans have had pretty interesting tight end groups. You had, and I, I mean, I'm going back to 2007. Um, you know, before that, you know, Billy Miller obviously has the first touchdown uh-huh. in history, but really, it's kind of clicked when OD. Yeah, he's the gold standard when it comes yeah. to Texas tight ends. Yeah, and I mean, it kind of clicked with OD, and then they brought in Garrett Graham, so they had OD and Garrett Graham, and then when the Texans drafted CJ. Took a little while for CJ to sort of get it, but then when he did in 2016, like, whoa, this thing's taken off. And you just wish that CJ could have stayed healthy, but then you had CJ and you had Griff together. But this group is so different from the other ones because, yes, those were two guys. And a lot of times you're with two tight ends. You don't really go to three or four tight ends. But I think with these this group, the top four in particular, and I don't want to leave Jarrell out of this, but it's been a while. I remember seeing Jarrell at South Carolina was very intrigued by his athleticism, what he was going to be able to do. So his, I, his, his the year he was drafted, he put up great combine numbers. Yeah, he's a he's kind of freaky, but you know he's one of those guys that's not quite a tight end and not quite a wide receiver, so he's kind of like in between. So he's gonna be he's gonna be fun to watch in in training camp. Obviously, in OTAs in training camp, but. You mentioned it, Drew. Number one, the the different sports those guys played. 
that helps. I mean, look at Kali. I mean, he didn't play professional sports and those others, but he played water polo. He was swimming. He water polo, tennis. and he's a great basketball player. Yeah, he's yeah. tremendous basketball. He's cross-country. If you haven't seen Kali Waring's dunk show that he put on at San Diego State, which is just incredible. Um, but then you've got Aikens, who played Major League Baseball. You know, Jordan Thomas was a heck of a basketball player. I mean, Jordan Thomas said, look, our tight end room – plus Hopkins would dominate anyone uh-huh. in a basketball court, which I, I thought was pretty interesting. And then you bring in a guy like Darren Fells. And, and what was interesting, we had we had uh, Jordan in here, and I had not met Darren Fells, so I wasn't totally sure. So when he walked in, when I saw him, he sort of looked like Roderick Johnson. He's kind of balding with uh-huh. a beard. And so I was like, Roderick Johnson? I was like, well, I didn't think we were Roger scheduled. Johnson's a left tackle, right. for those of you who don't right. know. So I was Big like, guy. So as we were talking to JT, I'm like, kind of looking like, man, is that? And at some point, Jordan looks back there and sees him, and then he mentions Darren Fells. I was like, oh, okay, that's Fells. And Jordan was the one saying, we said to Jordan, like, okay, are you giving up the, th- are you giving up the emergency left tackle spot? And Jordan Thomas kind of looks and said, no, nah, that's my boy Darren Fells. What I like about it was as soon as Fells walked in the building, Jordan Thomas gravitated towards him and was like, teach me everything. Yeah. Sensei, teach me everything. And – kind of taking him under his wing. And Fells enjoys that. He loves that part. And I like the fit of all these guys. I mean, you can look at him and go, okay, if you need somebody to just run block, just knock your block off, that's Darren Fells. But because he can't catch the ball and he's got that athleticism, teams can't just go, oh, Fells is in, run, run game. I mean, they're going to think that. Yeah. So you can use his athleticism as a passer or as a pass receiver to help. Jordan Akins lines up everywhere on the field. Some as a receiver, some, some at fullback as times. a sniffer, as uh, H, I mean, wherever. He a lines sniffer, up everywhere. Wait, time out. Somebody you never just heard said, that? Somebody just, well, I, I haven't heard that, but other people listening probably haven't heard that. Yeah, you haven't heard that? Full disclosure, sniffer, what, what the hell is that? Okay. <laughs> well, um, it's kind of a, it's a fullback position, but you're a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. So you're sniffing the guy's butt in front of you, basically. Okay. Bingo. There you yeah, go. That's why you. it's called that. So you're you're like a fullback, but you're a little closer. Yeah. So it's basically a fullback spot. Okay. Um, more fullback than it is H-back. So CJ used to line up in that spot. In uh-huh. fact, I think one of the, the great plays of the 2016 season is Alfred Blue's touchdown run against Cincinnati on uh, a Christmas Eve night, and CJ makes a great block from that position. So they were in gun, and he was in the sniffer, and he came in wheeled linebacker, blue followed him, and went for a touchdown and gave him the lead that they would win. So you've got Jordan that can line all over the place. Uh, Jordan Aikens. Jordan Thomas can line up as a wide tight end. He can do some of the same things Aikens can. Obviously, you saw the pass receiving skills last year. Then you bring in a guy like Kylie Waring, who if you put him opposite DeAndre Hopkins in the passing game, just – Hop on one side, wearing on the other. Or hop in fuller on one side, wearing on the other. I mean, how many times did we see Rob Gronkowski against us, one-on-one, where a bunch of receivers to one side and Gronk's on the other side? Like, one-on-one. Multiple times. You can do that with a guy like wearing. So, I like the way that these pieces all fit together. I like it, too. And I said the overarching theme of, of this group is the athleticism. The second thing I think about, the, the two main things I think about when I think about this group is First and goal, inside the five, you have a chance to be a real pain-in-the-ass offense yeah. with all these tight ends because, you, like you just said, you have Hopkins and you add in you – could, you could add in three of these guys right. and Hopkins, and you can line them up in a variety of ways. And it, it's, it's so much fun what you might be able to do. To that end, I'll ask you a question. Because of the mismatches. You, you made me think about that because you just said inside the five-yard line. 
How much do you think that night against Dallas, that afternoon against Buffalo, where they got inside the five yard line? That was the, that was the that was the main point of uh, contention the early part of the year when the Texans were right. struggling. How much these do you guys think, can't convert in the red zone? How much do you think that played into signing Fells? Drafting a guy like Waring. How much do you think that played in? I think I'm it sure, plays a pretty big role. I'm sure quite a bit because you also want to be able to run the ball better. And you right. can theoretically do that when you right. have tight ends and bigger bodies and they're blocking. Yeah, I, I think so. It was definitely something that they had to work on. And they got better at it yeah. as the year progressed, as the, the win streak kept going. But right. yeah, until you got to November, that was a real bugaboo as far as getting points out of the red zone. Because I got asked this. I was on Texas Radio today, and they asked me. Ole Buchanan was on. I went on a little earlier than I normally do. And so OB was on, and they're and Gabe Bach, they're tremendous guys, but they're both Cowboys fans. And so the question became, who's got a better shot of getting to the Super Bowl? Who's got a better shot of getting to the Super Bowl first, Cowboys or Texans? And of course, <clears throat> I vouch for the Texans. But it got me thinking about that Dallas game. And, yeah, everybody saw it with overtime, and Texans had to win overtime at home and all that kind of stuff. The Texans score inside the five-yard line. That's not even a contest. I know. Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels are going to their blowout material. Yeah. If the Texans just scored inside the five-yard line. Now, part of it was the fact that Dallas is pretty good defensively, but they move the ball up and down the field and just inside the five. And so that's what made me think about Fells. So it made me think about Waring. Because one of the things about Waring, you know, when, you, when I heard his name on draft night, just immediately thoughts flood. Like, okay, i got to organize, organize my thoughts here, but here are all the different things I hit. And then I got to that one about, about Gronk. And look, Bill having been there with the Patriots, drafted Gronk and coaching Gronk and all that, like that's a that's an easy comparison and nobody's ever gonna be Gronk. Well does but, he doesn't he kind of seem more like Aaron Hernandez as far as a player? Well yeah. Regard? I think Wearing? he's yeah. I think he's more like Travis Kelsey okay. than he is Gronk. Well, I, was, I was saying between the two Yeah, yeah, yeah. Between Patriots. the two that they drafted yeah. in twenty ten. Yeah. He's closer to Hernandez than he is Gronk. Right. He's got he's got kind of skill sets of both he's bigger than Hernandez but he's not the ogre that Gronk was yeah. he's got the athleticism that Gronk had but he's not quite not all the way there that Hernandez was I mean Hernandez should have been a first rounder but we know his issues yeah. before he even got to the Patriots but to me when I watch him and in college he's wearing 87 he looked a lot like Kelsey and they and San Diego State used him a lot like Travis Kelsey so that's kind of who came to mind when I when I saw him when I watched him during rookie minicamp he, and maybe it's just the number, but he looked more like a souped-up OD. But just the way that he was getting separation, he was getting open, the way he had natural hands. You get really a excited soup, about you get what a he could do. souped-up OD, gee. My goodness. Wiz, you are. Now, got to stay, got to stay healthy. Got to do it, yeah. Got to be durable, and you got to do it at, at this level. So, you know, I know a lot of people are like, I don't want to say overly excited, but people were excited about what Holly Warren was doing. And I, and I said this after rookie minicamp. Yeah, it's it's great to look look better than the rookies, but when the vets come, okay, that's a, that's a different story. Yeah. But Kyle looked so much different than everybody. Well, we were talking as about a rookie, we he looked about, so different. Like he stood out as a guy. Like why why is a veteran at rookie minicamp? Well, we talked about it with Mark and, and DP. The three that I've seen in my time here that clearly were different than everybody else. Three other ones besides Kyle where yeah. JJ Watt. DeAndre Hopkins and Kiki QT. Yeah. Watt, because he didn't have rookie minicamp. He came straight in and it was That's training right. camp and he was out there with the vets. And every time it, it felt like every fourth pass that he was he was covering, you heard a thump. Because he, he was he was knocking him down. I was like, <laughs> yeah. gosh, he gets his hands on a lot of balls. 
Okay, and then Hopkins a couple years later comes right. in, catches every single thing thrown his way. Yep. And then QT last year, sort of the same type of thing. We knew he was fast and we knew he was shifty, but we were I was blown away by his hands. I mean, he was yeah. he was making one hand one-handed catches a lot like Hopkins. Yeah. And so those three guys really were so much so advanced in comparison to the other rookies that we've seen over the years. That was one of the things in watching QT uh, on on tape at Texas Tech is like you know you see a lot of slot receivers. Andy Isabella, who may not be a slot receiver, I mean, he's got speed to be an outside guy with Arizona. So I'm curious to see how they use him. But Andy Isabella can fly. And QT wasn't as fast as Isabella, but I watched Isabella Senior Bowl and balls are clanking off his shoulder pads. He just didn't have great hands. I with Kiki. But I was watching Kiki and studying him. I'm like, dude, he's got glue sticks for hands. Uh-huh. Like he's reaching up and snagging the ball, and he did that through throughout the year yeah and when your slot receiver gives you a throwing radius because he doesn't have a big radius because he's a small guy but when he can give you that throwing radius like you don't have to be perfect but he can snatch it and go get it i mean i just think man if you just the athleticism you have i'm telling you man in the pass catching core now if it all comes together it this this offense could be a real pain in the ass for opposing defense. There's no I mean, question. Real pain in the ass. No, no question. And that's no whatsoever. Think, understandably so, people want better protection and people want, you know, your your defensive backs to cover better, but I mean, you got the chance you could really just light some people up this year. I can promise you one thing. I can promise you pristine protection, fewer than 25 sacks or you can have lockdown Man-to-man coverage in the secondary, for the most part, you're going to get beat every now and again. Which one are you taking? Take the coverage because I like my quarterback and the stuff he can do even when he's under duress. That's a good point. Because he's still he's still going to put up numbers. I mean, I don't want him getting hurt, and I don't want him getting him exposed. But if you couple great coverage with what we mm-hmm. know Watt can do and Clowney can do, then I think your defense is going to get even better. And we're probably going to see even more uh, takeaways than we did last year, which was an area – in, in which they were phenomenal. Okay, you ready for one more? Yeah. I've gone way off the beaten path on this. I like that. This is in the okay. lab. We can do that. Trade your 2020 number one okay. and your 2020 third rounder to Jacksonville for Jalen Ramsey. Yes or no? Yeah, yeah. Because you're not going to get a better corner than Ramsey next year in the first round. Sure. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I, I've I've said I would, I would do that all along. Yeah. If I got to get Jalen Ramsey, I'd do it. Because I think that Jalen – Jalen was never an issue at Florida State from that standpoint. Like, he's always talking. I mean, everybody talks in the field. But he'd be in a locker room with Deshaun Watson. And he respects Deshaun. And, and with I think DeAndre that, Hopkins. Yes. And, D- and, J. and J. he Watt. would know yeah. full well he's got an opportunity to win a championship. Yeah. And so I think he would be. Be a good soldier. I'd do it. Good citizen. I would do it. God, we went off the beaten path on that one. That Nothing wrong with that. It's, that's what we do here. And that's the fun of this. This is in the lab. Uh, John. We gotta go get to practice. I gotta get out of my uh, button down and yeah, my you got change. My khakis. I gotta put my mint green shorts on and my Texans polo and my sh- my sh- uh, run shoes. Gotta get some sun on my white bones, white skin, and uh, watch some some guys do some OTAs. That sounds good to you. Sounds good to me. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs>